this episode is going to be about model making. No, it's not, because that's always what we do. This episode is going to be about the uh, <laughs> painting. Train spotting. Uh, fuck it. Train spotting. Yeah, that would be a good one. Could you imagine? We should do. We should do. We, oh, God. Could we, we could do like an extra episode, like a secret episode. Meet up at a train station. No, like a car park or something, a lay-by. Oh, uh, you know what we should do? What? What we should do is we should go to the transport museum and look at the trains. We, we wouldn't be able to. <laughs> yes, you can. No, we've got we've got our photographs under the desk saying, do not let these cut in. Cross <laughs> against the railway. You know, if they find out you work for the railway, they'd be f***ing pissed, wouldn't they? <laughs> Hello and welcome back. Thanks for joining us for another episode. I am Malcolm Childs. And I am James Skiffins. And we are Just Making Conversation. This is Season 2, where we discuss the ins and outs of the model-making hobby that brings us joy and pain in equal measure. From the greasy sprues and the gloss coats and everything in between, we are going to be Just Making Conversation. Remember, there are other podcasts you can listen to. Plastic Model Mojo. The Scowl Model Podcast. Plastic Posse Podcast. On the Bench. Model Geeks. The Sprue Cutters Union. Small Subjects. Head to modelpodcast.com for all the links. If you've enjoyed our podcast, consider leaving a review as it promotes this podcast to more people to enjoy. Showing your support to us is easy as making a cup of coffee. In fact, why not go over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash JMC podcast and do just that. Your support will help go towards making the podcast and its content just a little bit better. In this episode, we'll be just making conversation about wargaming, miniatures and figures and the like. From Warhammer 40,000 to Star Wars to World War II with bolt action and thousands of troops on the table with Napoleonics. Sometimes all you need can fit in one hand and the joy comes from the eye of the detail. But do the disciplines carry over regardless of size? Yeah, so we had loads of messages recently. We need to go through them, don't we? Find out what people have been saying. We certainly do. We've had um, messages on Buy Me A Coffee. Uh, we've had messages uh, through Facebook. We've had even had emails. We are so, so busy this week. So if you do send us a message, why don't you leave us your name so we can give you a shout out? But this time, if this is someone. Someone sent a message and said, thanks for all the hard work and keeping in the bloopers. Plus my shout out on Christmas edition at the start of the episode regarding my punctual Musaru live streams with pre-married name. Mm. Who's, who's that then? Now we could link that and figure out who that was, but I can't remember. Well, they left. The, they didn't put their name in it on purpose, I'm sure. Maybe. Maybe that's what they did that for. But if you know who you are, it, we're giving you a shout out again. <laughs> Yay. There you go. You've been shouted out. Not shouted down. That's something different. Oh, no. Absolutely. Uh, shouted out. What other messages do we get? Here we go. So a message from Bakahui. He says, love the show, guys. Or she. We don't know. No. He or she. They said, love the show, guys. 
Yes, that's completely befuffled us. So the pronunciation of that was quite an interesting set of people that had to be talked to to get that pronunciation correct. Bekawahi. Hello. Thank you for your contribution. Uh, next up was Gordon Sorensen. Ah, uh, Gordon. Because you asked, in Canada we have 120 volt, 60 hertz, with two or three prongs on the plug. Mm. And we do have speed bumps, but the ones in his small town were removable uh, to make it easier to plough the snow in the winter. Do they remove them when it snows, then? I guess so. How would you know where they are? Well, you do it before it snows. Oh, you do it before you... Okay. So you... Okay. <laughs> or either that, or you go along on what it's, where there's this bump in the snow, <laughs> you dig it, it, dig it out, and then remove it and fill it back in. There's one. <laughs> there's one. <laughs> well, couldn't they automatically just plough them out? And then, oh, no, that would be a nightmare, wouldn't it? No, because the plough will get stuck under them and damage the plough, wouldn't it? I guess so. I don't know how it works. I'm not a plough expert. No. I'm a lot of things. I'm not a snow queen either, but hey, hey. <laughs> Mark Ewing. Hi, oh, he's my favourite Star Wars vehicle. Mark Ewing says, keep up the great work, guys. Thank you, Mark. Love your work too, mate, actually, as well. Um, big fan of your stuff. Keep it up. So next up was Damien Rigby. Ah, oh, Damo. Yeah, Damo. I like Damo. He, he says, well, I was hoping to put a bit of effort into oil paint rendering in the next couple of builds. But after listening to the podcast, I'm driving past the hobby shops, going to bottle shops, looking for old port rum. <laughs> well, good luck with that. I wonder if old port rum would be good at weathering material. It might be. Someone try it. <laughs> I'm not going to try it. And it'll waste my rum, and I certainly don't want to waste my models. But someone must have a, a mule they can paint some rum on. Maybe it's uh, maybe the next, next thing, next big thing. Who knows? Yeah, you never know. You heard it here. <laughs> JWC has emailed. Hello, JWC. We're JMC. Hello, hi. Oh. He says, No, I am not a model railroader and will deny it under oath through some will challenge it. You see, I was excommunicated from the Church of Model Railroading for not bowing to Luke Tower nor paying homage to the trains themselves. I enjoy building stuff in the style of Martin Kovich in 187 scale. While there could be a train chasing its tail in my builds, it's not the focal point. Whatever do you mean, you may ask. Oh, yeah, what do you mean? Well, not mine, he says. This will give you an idea what some of us, gladly, model railroaders build. And he's uh, put a link of a video of um, little tiny miniatures running around the street. Anyway, thank you guys for exhib exhibiting some, but not total, restraint. The use of profanity. To me, it's like salt, he says. Uh, he says, I sobbed uncontrollably for days when the scale model shared podcast vanished for some reason. I'm just very thankful you two came along and filled your hole. And filled their hole. That hole. Would <laughs> <sighs> <clears throat> you like to do that again? Nah, it's funny. Leave it in. Got a laugh. Uh, he says, have you ever considered borrowing he says, in inverted commas, stash or cash, he says, inverted commas, segment. Uh, it was a classic. It was a classic. It was very cool. It was. Do you know what? We're going to find out. We're going to speak to the owners of that segment and see if we can do it. Yep. But as we're doing this podcast, it's going out right now. That's why we're distracted. So, yeah, uh, we will ask them. Uh -huh. 
See what I say. And it says, anyway, for you and your listeners, here's one to plant in the grey matter between your ears. For those that have any desire to add lighting, sound, etc. to a build, consider this is an excellent source. Quality stuff and the tech info offered in their website is jaw-dropping. That is engineering.com, but it's not E-N-G, it's engineering. Yeah, engineering. Engineering.com. Go have a look. And he says, lastly, while I'd be glad to support you financially, buy me a coffee, like Patreon, won't accept prepaid Visa cards, and being an untrusting sort, I won't use anything for online financial transactions. He says, keep up the good work. A loyal listener in Northwest Missouri, USA. Yes. Fantastic uh, military museum up there. Um, and that was Mike. Yeah, thank you, Mac. Um, if you can't give us any money, it doesn't matter. No. Just be a great fan. We love it. Thank you very much. Just, just send us messages and get involved. Thanks, Mike. Next up is Mike Shelley. He says, uh, thank you for your efforts in producing this podcast. Here is my attempt at answering questions that were raised in Season 2, Episode 2. One, we have speed bumps in the US. Two, power outlets in Canada, the US and Mexico are all identical. Thirdly, Pinocchio's nose problem is a variation on the Epimindes paradox which you can find discussed in Wikipedia, among other places. If Pinocchio did not specify when his nose would grow, this leaves him free to lie in the future while telling the truth now, and there is no problem. Once he turns into a real boy, I assume that his nose would begin growing. If he states that the nose would grow right now, then a paradox results, and he likely turns into a cabbage or something. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Although I could, he could be mistaken, uh, feel free to ignore this message in its entirety. But enjoy the coffee. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> so he's put free to ignore the message at the end of the message. Well, yeah, of course that's what you would do, isn't it? Yeah. So it's too late now. We've, we've already not ignored it. But thank you very much. But yeah, that made me chuckle something wrong when I read that. So thanks, Mike. <laughs> Brilliant. I still don't get it. <laughs> Frank Franco. Oh, Frankie blokey, you know Frank. Frank. Yeah, Frank. Uh, listening to New Year's resolutions episode while sticking more bits on the M47 from Tacom, thinking how funny it would be to have a party with you guys. Not the car keys, mind you. Have a cracking weekend, guys. Uh, thank you, Frank. Thank you, Frank. <laughs> do you know, if we ever do like a live thing, like uh, a model show or something, we should have a little fishbowl on the table for people's car keys. <laughs> with car keys in there. Or something similar, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah that would be funny well it'd be easier these days because they're all electric keys aren't they so you just go in the car park press a button the lights flash and that's that's your night and if the lights flash on something you don't approve of you just bring the keys back well imagine you go out there and you, you got a ferrari fob on it right you're in tonight and you got there you go press the button there's a bloody larder or something Nothing wrong with larders. I used to own one. My brand new larder that was outside my house got written off because someone drove into it. Drove over it? Well, they probably didn't see it. It's so so small. Let's move on. (laughs) Jeff. Oh, I like Jeff. I think Jeff possibly is one of my top 10 listeners. Mm -hmm. Jeff. Yeah, Jeff. And the reason is because I imagine Jeff is a cat. (laughs) What, What film I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of Jeff as a cat. Anyway. Jeff's not a cat. Jeff is a man from Buffalo in New York. And he says, 
<laughs> My name is Jeff Keenan, and I'm from Buffalo, New York. Insert snow joke. Uh, I started listening to all the podcasts right before the COVID hit, and I finally caught up with all the episodes and all the shows. Phew. It helps that I was training for a half marathon, and I get lots of windshield time at work. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> right. Oh, I'm, I'm glad that uh, keep you going, yeah, keep you running. Absolutely. <laughs> podcasts help keep me entertained and distracted on long running and driving days i like to build bandai star wars what at the same time <laughs> i like to build bandai star wars one certain second scale aircraft especially helicopters but i also build armor figures ships and a couple of cars my main reason for writing in my local club ipms niagara frontier Wow. Uh, is having our annual show on Sunday, the 3rd of April. The doors open at 9 a.m. It's a great one-day show and usually has a good turnout. Please get the word out, as it seems interest doesn't seem as high due to COVID. Absolutely high. Mm -hmm. We also normally get a visit from our Canadian friends, but I'm not sure how open the borders will be by showtime. We're also looking for vendors and have tables left to sell. So that's IPMS Niagara Frontier and their show on Sunday, the 3rd of April. He also says, I only left Built Sideways out because they are the newest of podcasts and I haven't listened to any episodes yet. It's in the queue, but until then, I don't have their contact information. Forward this onto them. <laughs> I haven't listened to Built Sideways. No, that's a new one. Wow. Uh, I'm writing that down because otherwise I will forget that. Cool. Oh, yeah, it comes straight up. Yeah, I'll Built Sideways. Cool. I'll have a listen. Fantastic. Love it. I've been to Niagara Falls. Have you? Yeah, I have. Oh, it's always somewhere I wanted to go. Yeah, it's brilliant. Uh, I went on the Canadian side I was on, and it was great. It was full of casinos. Loved it. If you do go, don't get the train to on the Canadian side and then walk to Niagara Falls because it takes ages, and I was knackered and grumpy. <laughs> and well, when we got there, it was lovely, but then I remembered that we had to walk back, and I was even more grumpy. So anyway, uh, holiday tips with Mel. He says, thanks for all the time and effort you put into the content creation and editing. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you. Thank you. Getting a new episode notification is like a mini Christmas for me. Regards, Jeff the Cat. Thank you very much, Jeff. There you go. It's nice that you have more than one Christmas every year. So our last message is from someone who says, loving the new season, chaps. Well, we have lots of positive emails. We haven't got any negative ones yet. No. Or you delete them like you're, you know, sweeping the bad snow away from my feet as I enter the room. That's what I imagine you might be doing. You're in curling. You've been watching the Winter Olympics when they... Yes. That's what you're doing with all the negative comments. Ah. And I just ball in like a big stone on the ice and you're sweeping away all the shitty comments. I've not got a broom in my hand and I've not got a dustpan either. <laughs> dustpan. Okay, cool. There's the comments. Today, yes, my friend James, we are going to be talking about war games and wargaming and painting of those little figures. We certainly are. Incredibly expensive plastic men. Mm. Oh, well, you say men, they, they don't have to be just men. No, no, they don't. Mm -hmm. No, they can. They, yep. This isn't absolutely. a political correct moment. It's just a fact that, you know, it's not just men. There are other figures involved. Okay. Tyranids. I don't know if they have male or female tyranids. I had tyranids on my mind, definitely. Did you? I had tyranids for breakfast. 
there's uh, lots of different war games. There's lots of different models. There's lots of different things going on with that kind of hobby. Um, I'm sure scale modelers would be aware of all those things because there's probably a games workshop in your town. Yep. Or at least there was. They're called Warhammer now, aren't they? Changed their name. Mm. Yeah. Is there a games workshop near you? Um, I'm actually quite fortunate in that respect that I have um, two outlets uh, that are in the, my local town. Uh, one is a very little one, uh, but very well stocked. And the other one in the actual physical town center itself, which is part of the model shop that I have talked about on numerous times. Yeah. However, the one thing I will say is that they, I would say out of the shop, a good 60% of the shop is dedicated to that part of, of, of their world. Yeah as well as the middle of the shop because they have tables that they use throughout the week and weekends doing gaming. Wow. So you don't have an actual games workshop store? No, not not a branded one as such. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But they sell, this distributor sells uh, games workshop stuff, I'm guessing. Yes, yes. Yeah. So in a couple of places that I've lived over my life, most of them have had games workshop shops in them. Um, and that is where you would go for your wargaming stuff. And I remember years and years and years ago, you could buy all sorts of different types of war games in a games workshop. It wasn't just their own products. You could buy anything from there, you know. But now it's all games workshop products only. And they're very, very strict about those sort of things. I, in true tradition, I've lied slightly in the fact that I have had some exposure to this when I was younger. Uh, that being my brother was into wargaming for a little while. Ah. Um, and he had lots of little um, Second World War pieces, but they were all metal, mm-hmm. little metal tanks and half-tracks and that sort of thing was used in the, on the wargaming board. But I, I, it's not something I ever really played. Well, no, I've never played. Not really. It's a case of I've never played it. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, and if I'm honest, this is it is above um, space and Star Trek and all that sort of stuff in in my interest spectrum. And when I say above, I mean I really haven't got a clue. So when you say above, you mean below? Yeah, it depends on which way you're standing up at the time. <laughs> so what you're saying is you don't know much about it. But do you have a kind of curious, uh, a curious George about it? Are you curious about the, the wargaming and the figures and things like that? The funny part is, is that um, I like the idea of the wargaming. Okay, the actual game, yeah. The actual game, physical game. Um, there was a computer program way back when, which was a, a strategic sort of game where you had an, a, a, an army that would fight another part of the army. Was it called Dawn of War? No, it wasn't. And I can't remember for the life of me what it was called. It was it was a freebie you used to get on a Windows computer. Um, and I'm, I'm going back well over 25 years or so. Uh, and it was literally basically a map where you would click and say, I want you to go there and I want you to do this. Oh, is it Red Alert? Uh, might have been. I don't know. Command and Conquer? Might be Command and Conquer, actually. Oh, right. Okay. And I thoroughly enjoyed that. I've spent hours playing with it. I like that idea. Uh, but the problem I have, if I'm totally honest, and this will sound totally ridiculous, 
but it's truthful. The problem with war gaming is there is a rule book, uh, which requires someone to read it. And it's not really a bedtime story to be read to. So it's something I've got to do myself and, I, and I'm too lazy. It's the honest truth. Hmm. Too lazy and, and really, I find it would, I just scares the life out of me trying to retain all that information. Okay. It's interesting because you think about the amount of things that you do know, say, about your dive bombers that you like, hmm. you know, or your corvettes. You could probably have a whole podcast just around those subjects and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk because you've got an interest in them. Clearly, I've convinced you that I'm a knowledgeable person in those subjects. But all of that information, all of that information is based on pictures. It's not based on reading facts. I'm, I am terrible at reading facts. It's part of my dyslexia, um, and, and I, I won't hide away from it. It's what it is. It's the same as I've got some two amazing books just behind me from Adam Savage, giving lots of information about techniques and stuff. But the thought of opening the book and reading them, although there are pictures, scares just, just yeah, it just scares me to death. I just, I don't enjoy reading at all. Right. So that, yeah, that puts me off massively. If I'm honest, if I if I pulled me, me big boy pants on uh, and pulled them up uh, and got on with it, it, I'd probably do a lot of good for me to to, to do that, to, to increase my confidence and all the rest of it. We're going down a completely different podcast route. Yeah. What if what if uh, you were going to be taught the game, mano, mano, face-to-face, and you didn't have to worry about a real book, you just had to remember that a six meant that if you roll a six, then you hit that person with a gun. You could uh, learn the rules that way. Yeah. If the enthusiasm for me to do it, then that would be the only way in which I would learn it, would be by someone having the patience to... Yeah to show me what I was doing and how I was doing it. Mm-hmm. Because I am very much um, a physical, visual and manually is how I learn. Okay. Scale modeling instructions, they are usually a visual yeah. way of showing how things go. There's very little amount of words in them. The old days they used to, didn't they? Yeah. Find the carburetor and stick it on the the yeah. thingy what's it. One, you need to know what a carburetor was, and also you need to know what the thingy what's it was to be able to find those parts. Mm. But now, of course, it's all visual. Does that give you any issues or difficulty? Um, no, it doesn't because it's picture based. And the, the the funny part about model making is that for me, is that if I have an idea that I want to achieve, I generally will find a way where I can physically make it. And and by making lots of things wrong, I find the right yeah. the right bit. Okay. Obviously, with with wargaming and figures. They, there is an appeal. I, I, I'm not gonna lie. There is an appeal. There, there are certainly some figures that I look at that are used as wargaming pieces, uh, and they look cool. Mm. They look amazingly cool. Mm. Why aren't they bigger? If they were bigger, I'd buy them. But <laughs> I would need a mortgage to buy them. Yes, yes. But they would be so much cooler, bigger. I'm with you. Mm. Where I'm coming from is I. I did all sorts of, I uh, still do all sorts of model making and including stuff to do with war games and games workshop and all that stuff and fantasy things. And I like all that stuff. So it wasn't ever an issue. I, I remember um, going to a, a war gaming club when I was probably about 15 or something or less than that. You know, I was a nerdy 15 year old smelly boy and uh, I'm terrible at maths. Uh, if there's a thing called uh, math dyslexia, I probably have it. There is, yeah. Is there? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, amazingly, I only found this out uh, last year. Apparently, there is a 
a form of dyslexia that is uh, figure-based. Oh, well, there you go. But uh, I just find it uh, baffling. I remember playing a game. It was a, a Games Workshop game, and it was called Epic. Uh-huh. Little tiny um, little tiny things, and uh, there was a type of vehicle that fired loads of rockets over a long distance. So it was artillery. Uh-huh. And what you had to do, you were to roll 12 tiny dice. And every five and six, you was a hit. Uh-huh. So you pull them out, and then you had to roll them again. Add all the numbers up, and it had to be between one and 200 or something like that. Yeah. You know? I remember my dad coming to pick me up, and I was rolling these dice. And I'd roll these dice, and i go, yeah, five, 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 six, six. And i pull them all out, roll them again, and i go, six, eight, 12, 49. And my dad was just shocked because I was able to add up these things so quickly in my head, mm-hmm. without the use of a calculator, without complaining that I was doing maths. And I guess it's because I I was enjoying it, and it was fun, and it meant that I get to shoot my tanks at this guy's troops, and that's why I was good at the maths. You're right, and, and that is very similar to, to myself, in that a lot of the things in which I've learned throughout model making are things that I've watched other people or seen other people do and achieve and thought right how can i how can i do that yeah and a lot of the time if i'm honest it's down to oh that person made that out of resin but i haven't got any resin because i haven't got money for resin how can i make that in another form mm-hmm. but the same like a window frame or or a mattress mattress is a, a classic example of watch people make mattresses out of many different substances Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't have any of that. So I, I found some modeling clay and I made it myself or Millie Putt is your best friend. Yeah. So you've l- learned from others, but it's all visually. And yeah. And I think that again, with the, the mathematical side, as, as you say, I, I'm not great with maths either. Funny enough. Mm-hmm. If I had managed to get hooked when I was younger, that probably would have helped me immensely at school. Yeah. But it was just, but it was the same with computers. Yeah. Sitting there typing out your programs. Back, back in the day, you know, and you get a book which was a thousand pages, which was one program to move a very digitally impaired mouse from one side of the screen <laughs> to the other. Yeah, I remember them. Yeah. And, and I'm just like, what? Why am I doing that? So I had no interest in computers. I, it haunts me to this day. I remember when my friend saying to me, you really need to get your head into computers. It's going to be a really big thing. And I said, oh, what a waste of space. It ain't going nowhere. You ain't seen my dad's Acorn computer. Trust me. There is no way in the world that thing is ever going to be anything big. What a fool. It's funny because I've been watching you this last year or so doing your bolt action figures and i did say that this year i was going to get some yeah you did and i was going to give it a go didn't i yeah so this is uh 156 scale which is the wargaming oh wow look at that i like that for listeners i am showing james my little tank this is 156 scale which is 28 millimeter which is basic wargaming scale and uh yeah it's a lot of fun to paint up i don't play action but i really love that scale and i really like that, uh, that the size because it fits as we said in the intro it fits in your hand really nicely it's really easy to paint and, and it doesn't take much space on the shelf either you know it's, it's teeny teeny weeny and just for the listeners because obviously they can't see the bottom of that tank is not painted i just want to clarify that uh, no of course not 
Why why would you do that? Or waste of paint? Surely when you're war gaming and it gets knocked out, it goes on its side, doesn't it? No. Oh. In bolt action, okay. What you do is you take off the turret, which is quite easy. Mm-hmm. You remove the turret and then you put a bit of coloured smoke coming out the top there. Uh. Right? And Okay, yeah, I haven't painted inside either. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, those 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 sort of things do interest me. Uh, but I mean, it, it's the same with the you got the Star Wars X Wing uh, miniatures and all that sort of thing. Yep. God, Star Wars couldn't couldn't you just go down a rabbit hole with that? I mean, there's the the X Wing First Edition. Yes. There's the First yeah, Order, Galaxy Republic. Yes, I am reading from a list because I'm not knowledgeable. <laughs> There's plenty, plenty. There's enormous amounts. I mean, that's just one one of many. It's endless, really, isn't it? I suppose you've just got to kind of pick one that really interests you. And I guess for me, Bolt Action does because it's World War Two. I'm I've got a lot of interest in World War Two. The game Bolt Action actually follows historical accuracy as best as it can, but also mixes that with a gameplay. Uh-huh. So the different nations that you collect for your armies will have traits reflective in the game. Okay, so for instance, the Germans have the Tiger tanks, and it means that all the troops anywhere near or can see a Tiger tank have an extra uh, a fear. Uh, it means that they could break morale easier if you even have to have a Tiger tank on the board. Uh-huh. Which is reflective in how people felt felt about them, you yeah, know? and things like that. Which is quite nice, you know. It, it, it's not exact accuracy, but it gives you an idea of how uh, these sort of battles perhaps were fought. Mm. The tanks and all the weapons are given the proper names, and they have you know similar statistics to how they were in real life. And and uh, you know, I can't see that being a bad thing at all for interests in history and things. You're talking about the same statistics and that sort of thing. So am I right in thinking it'd be a little bit like Top Trumps? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Top Trumps being a card game where you pull a a card out and it has a picture of whatever it is and it gives you the statistics and you you have to challenge the person with what they've got in their hand as to who's got the best speed, best range, blah, blah, blah. Absolutely, and it's all down to the roll of the dice as well. Uh Okay, so say you had a Tiger tank and it can shoot another tank really well okay so uh-huh. it gets a plus five okay and then you've got Stuart, as i've got here yeah uh-huh. and that has a plus one to its shooting and to knock a tank out you've got to roll a six you've got to get six okay so if i get my d6 right now and i shoot uh-huh. with my tiger tank at your Stuart, and it's going to be uh-huh. a a six so if i do six plus the five that is 11 so it means I do 11 points of damage to that Stuart. And then if the Stuart wants to shoot at the tank, it only has a plus two. I roll the dice. It's a six again, honestly. It is a uh, six. Uh-huh. You show me a six. That's a plus two. That's eight. So that Stuart then does eight points of damage to the tiger. Right. So that's how it works. So it's the it's the statistics plus the dice. But it's kind of kind of geeky and fun. And you get people shouting at the tables. And uh-huh. I remember um, well, someone telling me a, a story about when they were at the Avon show in the UK um, over, over towards Bristol. And they were saying that there was an argument happening because there was a dice that was cocked. Cocked dice. Do you know cocked dice is? Yes. Okay. So for listeners who don't, cocked dice is a dice that is leaning up against something and it's not clear what number it's landed on. Okay. So it's not flat. This is cocked. Right. 
they hadn't decided at the beginning what a cock dice meant, whether they it was a re-roll or whether they just take the number that you can see or, or what. Uh, and there was a big argument happening because obviously this was like the last roll of the dice and ended with a cock dice. And the guy watching it was like, this is just too much. It's, the argument that was going on, it's supposed to be a hobby. They were getting incredibly heated uh-huh. and, he, and he wasn't enjoying the fact that they were so passionate about these things. This kind of, It's a game, it's a sport, isn't it? It's competition. It is. It is. Well, what I really like about it, not, not hang the hang the gameplay. It's the it's the it's the pieces. It's the sculpts. It's the mm. it's the techniques and the skill that people have painting these things. I don't know if you've ever seen the um, Golden Demon competition before. No, no. So Golden Demon is a Games Workshop painting competition. Mm-hmm. Um, has been for years, and it's it's like the the premiership, if you like, of painting competitions for Games Workshop things. It's the Olympics. Uh-huh. You know, it's the top of the top. Uh-huh. If you win a Golden Demon Awards, you know, you're doing very, very well. Uh-huh. And some of the stuff on there is just mind-blowingly clever. Really beautiful. And you have to have a, an amazing amount of creativity. You have to have an amazing ability. And you need to know how to take a photograph <laughs> as well. Yeah, definitely. Those are skills and attributes that we need in scale modeling. Uh-huh. I would argue. No, I think you're right. And if you go and have a look, put a show link up, if you go and have a look at Golden Demon stuff, and you imagine if those those people who were putting that effort in there into those things would, you know, building their own Sherman or building their AS-90s or F-14 Tomcats, can you imagine what the skill level would be like? Would you think they would they would be able to uh, follow the instructions the same? Do you think they'd have the level of accuracy? What do you think they were, or do you think they were kind of struggle because it didn't have? I mean, I, I'm actually, as you're you're talking, I'm actually looking at the Golden Demon Awards, and and I'm looking specifically right now a a, a figure that is uh, a knight on a horse. It's a gold gold award. It's Middle Earth. It's Warhammer Fest 2019, and it is the hiring the tall Warden of the Keys by Dean okay. Luke. I think his name is. If I've mullered that name, I do apologise. But we'll put a link in, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but I am, uh, while I'm copying and pasting that link, um, I'm looking at it and thinking to myself: not only is it awesome, but there is so much discipline there that that is carried over from my hobby. The way that the the horses tones. The way the fabric is painted to it shows the it fluttering in the wind as he's running along, and the base itself, you know, the base has got a little bit of stonework, grass work. That's everything, everything that I would do in the hobby that I do, but obviously bigger. That's it. Yeah, I mean, that's that's just like a little diorama that he's got there on mm. the base. I don't know. Are you looking at that picture right now too? I think I'm looking at the same thing. You are five o'clock shadow, night horse. Yeah. It's just, um, it's just a, an amazing, amazing art. It's just total art. You know, I was looking previously before that at, um, at a slug. <laughs> uh, it was a silver award. It was a Warhammer Age of Sigma. It's a Warhammer Fest 2019 again. Is it a dude riding a slug, something or centipede, isn't it, or something? It's it's a slug that seems to be on. Yeah, there's a dude riding it. Yeah. So I. The amount of work and the amount of detail, and the amount of time that must take, mm. is incredible. And you are 
completely right. Those those techniques and everything, like the, the way they've done the swamp and the water and all that kind of stuff, would be perfectly portable across to our hobby mm. because we're also making models of miniature scales. Mm. And I do wonder why there isn't more crossover than there is. I know of people who do both, like myself, like figures and painting and of tanks and aircraft as well. And our friend Luke, yes. um, he also, you know, he's, he's quite heavily into Warhammer, but he's also, you know, he built 135th Warrior the other day, you know, so he's, and I think he benefits massively from that because he has both worlds. Both have different social circles. Uh-huh. Both have different ways of approaching and looking at their models and he will only benefit from being a part of those two things so i think it is a bad idea to kind of sway away from from these kind of differences in hobbies and and dare i say it from the railwayers as well (laughs) yeah i've gone there because as i've said you know they they have points to their hobby that we could all learn from transportable knowledge between the, the disciplines is always something that is is not necessarily as recognised as it should be. My first adventure into wargaming, I was sent to a show. Sent? I was sent, yes. Well, I was asked to go and I volunteered and said yes. And then the person said, you know, it's a wargaming show, right? It's like, oh, is it? Ah, oh, okay. But that was local to me. I've forgotten the name. I'm hoping you're going to... Was it recent? Yeah, it was the one you sent me on. <laughs> I sent you there. Yeah. <laughs> what a bastard. <laughs> Who would do that? <laughs> it was in the Lee Valley, but I can't think of the name of the show. Oh, it was last year. Yes. Oh, it was called the Selwig. Yes. Southeast War Gamers of London or something like that, isn't it? Yes. That was my first war gaming show. And, I did look around. There were a lot of things there that, through ignorance more than anything else, didn't interest me. But there were a lot of things that did interest me. Right. And the one thing I found quite amazing, and I didn't expect it, was that right behind where we'd set up, because we were there doing a charity thing, right behind us was a, a, an area where people were obviously selling unwanted stuff. Bring and buy. Bring and buy, yeah. And I wandered over. It, it, there was a lot of stuff there. Uh, I wandered over thinking... I'll have a look. And ran back to the table to get my wallet because there was a figure there that was just like, awesome. Funny part was, not only was it awesome, but it went very quickly. So when I went back, it it wasn't there. When I went back to the table and was talking to the guys, there was a a gentleman there. So I explained what the figure was. He went, oh, yeah, I had my eyes on that as well. So it was obviously very, yeah. <laughs> it's very popular, maybe unusual, I don't know. But it was it was just something very different, and it was figure-type personal thing on a base. Resin, in my mind, it was more the figures sort of thing. If you go to a figure show like you would do at uh, Lee Cliffs in yep. down south, yep. that sort of piece to mm. me. But it looked really cool. Mm. Even walking around the main show itself, looking at the accessories you could buy for the tables, Amazing, really. Well, did you see any of the terrain and the gaming tables that they were working on? Yeah, terrain-wise, there was loads of terrain there for sale. There were loads of little boards with hedges and, and buildings, walls, and all that sort of stuff. Which it was, But one of the things I found really interesting, there was a person there selling board games, or board boards for the game. And part of this board was a villa of about three different levels. And the way he explained it to me, whether, whether I've understood it or not, is... I don't know, but 
way he explained it to me was basically Villa was the board game. That was it. And it was on three different levels. Gosh. And I'm just like, I don't, I don't understand that. <laughs> I don't understand how that works. The way he was explaining it, I was, it was, uh, first of all, it started with, uh, well, this is what you do, blah, blah. And then very soon after the first sentence, it sounded a little bit like, and by the end of what he was saying, it was like, because I just didn't, couldn't really get my head around it. But to, to me, it looked like, effectively, the only way I can describe it is in Star Trek, they have a chessboard that has multi levels. They do. I'm sorry, I've just upset all the chess players in the world, but I'm sure there is a multi-level chess board in reality. But it just, yeah, I just couldn't get my head around it. Basically, it's just like having a, a, a Monopoly board, but instead of going round, it goes up and down, around stairs. And yeah. Like that. And then you can, you know, you'll, you have to check to see if your character's got like the sight and all that kind of thing uh, when they're shooting each other, which I assume they will be doing in the villa. Mm-hmm. What else would you do? Of course. And I and I'm assume that all the stuff was really well painted, beautifully made. Oh, this this was beautiful stuff. I mean, it it was phenomenal. Do you think you could use it as a backdrop to one of your scale models, one of your dioramas? Absolutely. If if you wanted to get all fancy with your photography and stuff, yeah, there's absolutely no reason why you couldn't do that. I mean, if you remember at Telford four years ago ish, I think it was, there was a a diorama there of a desert scene which was a box diorama, which you look through a little window. But it was about uh, three foot, four foot deep. And in this diorama, as you went backwards, the scale of the objects changed. So you started at the front, 135th, then it went to 148th, then it went to 172nd, then it went down to et cetera, et cetera. It was awesome, absolutely awesome. Uh, forced perspective. And the, and they used those, those kind of buildings and techniques today. Yeah, absolutely. The other thing that probably, I don't know if you had that feeling when you were at the Wargaming show, but people put all this time and effort into their little figures and you know spend time making sure the eyes are straight and making sure they got the folds and of the of the fabric and make sure that the base is correct and perfect. And then don't put them behind lock and key in a display case. They put them on the table uh-huh. and start throwing dice at them. <laughs> yeah, and moving them around with their with their greasy fingers, and while they're eating a pasty. Could you imagine <laughs> doing that with your stuff or my stuff? No. Uh, no, thank you. Yeah, um, I would be getting the fly swat out. I'll say, get off. <laughs> get your massive bear paws off my pito tubes. <laughs> I did I did notice, in fairness, there were a few games being played at that show, and there was a definite case of, that's my army, don't touch it. Oh, right. I can move my pieces, you can't. Now, that's on the board, which I can understand because, obviously, if someone accidentally moves something, it could have a, a detrimental effect to the game. So I, I understand that. Oh, yes. Yes. Repercussions. But, um, yeah, I did notice that. However, you're right. On this particular show, that was in the middle of the show. It was actually a running track. And on the outside of the running track were the, the vendors and all that. And that was very much a case of touch what you like, not a problem. Again, for vendors, it was quite different. Right. Because uh, the model shows I've gone to, yeah, you can open a box, but they stand over you and go, well, I shouldn't really open that. No. But there didn't seem to be that issue at the Wargaming. Okay. It seemed to be, yeah, that's fine, you can you can touch. Do you think that is because, obviously, you have to be touching the things if you're going to play a game? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, no, I would, I would think so. Or do you think because they are perhaps designed to be handled and possibly dropped, 
and pushed around, and they don't have tiny, thin aerials on them. They don't have very thin parts that well, may fall off. They don't have plastic. Uh, they don't have canopies. Um, they don't have delicate weathering bits that might fall off and you know things like that. I think mainly, Malcolm, if I'm honest, I think it's because it's designed to be picked up and moved around that there is, you know, I'm looking at this piece. I want to I wanna touch it. I want to see if there is a connection or it's tactile enough for me. But there's also a case of they're designed to be moved around, so why wouldn't I touch them? Yeah. Do you think that then changes the culture of it as well, the culture of wargaming compared to scale modelling? Do you think there's a kind of a an anger in scale modeling about people who kind of touch stuff or do you think it's, it's, it's the same with war gamers with the element of competition i can imagine that that would create a much more volatile atmosphere within the community so it'd be very easy for an outsider to come in and go i touched your thing uh, and you know that causes a problem I know from my experience is there there is that element, that negative element, if you like. But there must be an explosive element within the wargaming because it's competition-based. Yeah, I think you're right. Quite often in the uh, wargaming competitions, because they are gaming pieces, they'll be shown on a nice base, but they'll also be still in their little little bases for when they are going to be played with. So they are both. They are mm. gaming tokens, if you like, but they are also little works of art as well. I don't think you can pick them up <laughs> because it because it's like that, you know. While we were looking at the the gold golden demons, I was looking at that, thinking to myself, those pieces are not played with. Once they've finished in the competition, they can be they can be taken home and put back on the board. They're not part of a diorama. They're not glued in like that other one we saw where it was glued into the. The, the resin base so i wonder if there's different categories for that as well you know a wargaming piece rather than a yeah. diorama and another thing as well is it is a, a type of painting that i really would like to try and achieve at some point in my lifetime was another one i'll pick out is slayer sword winner and gold again this is the warhammer fest 2019 and of course i've got to choose something that's really hard to pronounce Dalek Cold Trogoth or something like that, I guess. You have to send me a link so I can see it. Yeah, this is uh, by Maxim Pinord, and and it's a troll, effectively. It's a troll with mushrooms on its its back. Wow. And and the tones of the colours used are amazing. And in a way, I'm looking at this and thinking, well, that's a bit cartoony, which it is sort of, maybe. And maybe it's the light, the the way that its picture's been taken, but... The way I can I can explain it better is if you can imagine a troll holding up a lantern in one hand, light from that lantern being reflected on his face, and that's the way it's painted. It just the way in which the paintwork is done is so very different and unusual to the modelling that I normally would do. It I'm fascinated with it. I think the difference is that with the modeling that you normally do, and let's, say, let's just call it scale modeling, with the scale modeling that you do, you paint, you paint your object and then you let the light that's bouncing off that object do the work for you. So you let the, the corners of it be uh, reflecting back. You don't kind of overemphasize where the light will be bouncing and things like that. Let it do the thing with the light. These figures are really pushing the fact that they're... Um, 
it will be faded um, and it will be reflective or the hands and the feet and the veins and things will be slightly see-through. And mm. it's really kind of pushing that light effect. And, and also like all the shadows and things, it's, the, the shadows are really pushed too. You know, it just mm. it just seems, I guess they're pushing the contrast too. And, and I mean, yeah, we'll put the picture up on the show notes. It's just beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Um, there is another one that, that is... Again, down to the paintwork, really, which is if you go on to um, golden-demon.com um, and you can look at the awards for the last uh, however many years, you, you page down, you'll come to another one, which is uh, a bronze winner from the 2019, again. Um, and this is Dan, 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 Danak Hold Trogboss. This is by Chris Clayton. Your work on there, Chris, if you happen to be listening, this particular figure has two heads uh, and the shadows between the two heads are there. I'm assuming that's how it's painted and not a trick of photography because I've seen that in in real life on different figures, not not Warhammer figures as such. But um, I like the idea of it because, well, that's not the right colour for that particular troll. (laughs) Because it's your imagination, you can do what you like with it. You know, if if you want to make the troll pink with with yellow spots, then you crack on and do that. Generally speaking, people go, "Oh, it's a different take on it." Yes. Whereas if you try doing that with a British parachute trooper, yeah, you certainly get uh, comments thrown your way. But yeah, so that sort of thing does intrigue me, and and you probably know better than anybody that I don't tend to open a box and go, "I'm going to build it like it should do in the instructions." And I'm going to paint it in the way it says on the instructions. I normally go off and find some different way in which I can build a, a kit of some description. I, I don't want a bulk standard B-17. It has to be a, a British B-17 that was used for different purposes. <laughs> the freedom is immense. The one we're looking at is like the centipede. Oh, the centipede is the wrong colour. That's not. <laughs> it's going to be any colour I bloody well want. I love it. I absolutely love it. Don't forget as well, it's not just the painting, it's the sculpture of the thing. Mm. And the details in there. I mean, the, the the troll on the right, our right, is it's got two teeth missing. Yep. Two teeth that can cut in half. You know, you can see the inside of his teeth kind of half, yep. for God's sake. <laughs> it's beautiful. And that, and that's that's my appeal. That's why I love these things, because they're just so fun and fascinating. Sometimes, after you've built your third Stuart tank, you just want something that's got mushrooms on its back and is squeezing a millipede to death, you know? That's <laughs> what you want. Absolutely. That's just what you need on the Western Front, is squeezing them millipedes. <laughs> no, because it's completely completely devoid of anything real, anything uh, in your own world, and it's and it's nothing to do with anything, you know, to do with work or anything at all, and that's, that's why it's such good escapism. Is there a... Has it got like a frog on top of the mushroom that's on top of his head? Um, yes, there is. The middle blue mushroom has a frog on it. Now that's bloody brilliant. More frogs on mushrooms, I say. So yeah, Golden Demon, awesome. They run it every year. It's a very popular competition. If you're into Warhammer and, and, and Wargaming in general, you're going to know. Please go and have a check it out. Well, well worth it. And, and I'd even say if if you're listening to this and going, or it's probably unlikely, but you're, if you're you're listening to this and thinking to yourself, what on earth are they talking about all this Warhammer business? Yeah, go and check it out. It, it, it gives you a very good insight into the Warhammer world 
and how it could link into your hobby and how you make it right now. You know what I like? You know, I, I'm, I mean it with all love and good intention, but I probably will poke the bear at some point. So I'm going to ask the question, do you think that they are actual like proper models or they're not really are they are they proper models in that they're a model of a thing or they're not proper models and in not grown up enough well it's not it's not really model making is it let's be honest it, i think you want to get shot don't you <laughs> as much as model making as anything else using your plastic knowledge you're using your creativity you are following instructions when you're building these things and all the other plastic scale modeling fun of, of uh, building something up and, and creating something. It's not scale modeling in the fact that it has to be exactly right because it's, it's fun. It's a great fun hobby. And, um, and that's as far as it goes. I don't think that you can say it's not really modeling because it is. <laughs> I explained that very well, did I? <laughs> So, okay, so being devil's advocate for a minute, what do you think, why would there be a crossover? What what would what would be the use of that? Let's have a think. So uh, the basis of these scale models are, you know, you're, you're putting on grass and you're putting down mud and you're putting down sand and all that kind of thing. It's exactly the same in, in wargaming as well with the little bases. You're doing the same thing. Yeah, there's lots of people out there on, on YouTube, for instance, who are just doing terrain um videos how to make uh, realistic rocks how to make realistic grass and that can be perfectly transferred straight across from uh, scale modeling and back again the same you know dare we say the r word um the railway layouts you know that's the same thing crossovers isn't it you know weathering as well the wargaming world and their miniatures could certainly learn a little thing or two from the scale modelers and the railroaders um of uh put some dirt and muck on their stuff and i think also it'd be really nice to see um someone painting up a 135th sherman tank in a a wargaming uh or games workshop sort of style with bright edge highlighting and uh you know bright colors and really pushing out the the rivets and all that kind of thing it'd be really nice to see so mm. i think it's it'll benefit in that you just have more arrows in your quiver to be able to paint all sorts of different things. Uh, they, they get together and have chats and, and, and games. And uh, any time you're really doing that in scale modeling is when you're actually building with somebody else um, or you're going to a show. But, of course, all gamers have that too. Yeah, I just I enjoy both. I just see something that looks cool and I want to make it. The same with you know tanks and aircraft. Looking at that Blackbird, that SR-71, I think it's really, really awesome. And I want, and I want to make it, so I will. And then I'm looking at this troll with a club that I've got, and I can't wait to fi finish painting him up. You know, it's, it's it's all the same sort of. It's cool stuff, and it's fun. It's just a fun hobby. See where we differ is obviously you've had submersion into that well, yeah. Whereas I haven't. Mm. It's just not one I'm familiar with. Um, Does it scare you? No, it, no, it doesn't scare me. <laughs> now this is I'm, I'll, I'll make the comment but this is based on my interaction that i've had a minor interaction i've had with the world of 
wargaming. And in my head, I it makes me feel a little bit like they're train spots and they've got, a, you know, an anorak. Don't get me wrong, I, and I, I mean it with the, with no disrespect to anybody because I've seen the figures. They're awesome. Awesomely made, awesomely moulded, awesomely painted, most of them. There is the, the subject of rules as well. Uh, so wargaming, if you're going to play the game, you need to know the rules, and that's where I would yeah. – that's where I was struck. And I'm triple second, third guessing you would also. I think that – I think it's not really about the anorak. I think it's more about the fact that I'd have to read a load of rules yeah. and remember them. Yeah. And and I might know, I don't hide it, hide the fact, I'm dyslexic. I have trouble reading. Hmm. Um, that certainly would be a massive factor towards a, here's a handbook, learn that, and then you can roll my dice. It's a little bit like, um, <laughs> it's a little bit like jogging. Go on. I know jogging would be really good for me. I'd lose a bit of weight and probably be much more healthier. But do, do, do I need to do it? No. No, I can't be asked. Thanks very much. <laughs> Better still, shall I run for that bus or train? No, because there'll be another one. <laughs> I'm not running. No, you're not running. So is that how you see it? It's like an uphill battle. It's like a, like a, a strenuous exercise to read a book. It is a struggle and it's uh, very wearing. Hmm. And taking in that sort of information and then going somewhere and rolling a dice and then trying to remember what I was doing and not doing. And mm-hmm. yeah, it, it was just driving me nuts. Okay. If I'm honest, if I, if I went down that road, which I'm not saying I would never, because never say never, but if I went down that road, I would have to make loads of notes. Yeah. So I would be that guy in his anorak at the table with his clipboard going, no. You're not following the rules there. I suppose that that thought uh, doesn't thrill me. You don't have to be, just just to enjoy the figures, you don't have to roll the dice, you you don't have to play the games. No. That might interest you is the bolt action by Warlord Games. So it's it's based on on factual evidence, factual parts of of what happened, Not, not comments like, if it was the French, they'd be running the other way. You know, any of those sort of... Those sort of comments that will, that that are made by ignorant people. No, I, I <laughs> like you me. <laughs> no, they just they just try and replicate what actually is the case in certain vehicles and the way that the uh, the armaments worked and the way that the guns worked and that kind of thing. Yeah, you know, for instance, Germans had lots of machine guns and they were very good, very well positioned built instruments. So they were very good. The machine guns were. That's reflected in the game gets people interested in, in in what happened and, and everything else like the campaigns for instance you can you can buy the market gardens and they'll have all the different vehicles from that mm. conflict of that era within that set and then there'll be lots of different campaigns mm-hmm. that are set around different things and different characters within say characters but key players within that conflict so the different generals and things like that it's really cool i mean the the models and everything that uh, warlord make are lovely very easy to put together, very easy to paint, mm. and you can do pretty much what you like with them. You paint them sort of like green. <laughs> there are bolt action players out there who would go to town with the right markings and the right coloring and everything else. They make sure that they get the right variant as well. Personally, I'm not bothered. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if it looks like a Stuart, it smells like a Stuart, it's a Stuart, and that's nothing. It's just a, a very, very glorified game piece, I suppose, or gaming token. If you're playing Monopoly, you don't, you don't care if your iron's facing the wrong way, do you? <laughs> but it's nice to have, obviously, it's nice to have that detail. 
So I think you might, I think you might enjoy that. But you still, you still got to read it, haven't you? And, and generally speaking, and I'm being very generalised with the wargaming side of stuff. Um, I mean, you were saying that that, that um, certain pieces have to be painted in certain ways because of what they are. Um, you know, and like for example, I know Luke said on numerous occasions that um, you tend to find that an army has a particular colour, uh, and that the owner of that army likes to follow that through to all of his pieces and that everything links into each other and yeah yeah there's a, there's a whole color scheme for each yeah. different so, army, isn't um it? yeah which mm-hmm. has, which is no different to to anything else really i can see the 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 link linkage if you like could you imagine uh you know like if russia decides to paint all their tanks red and all the troops were wearing red how useful that would be hiding in a bush well, if would, the, would the bush was red, it would be very useful, but you don't find many red bushes. <laughs> it's their, their autumn season. <laughs> not, not even in Russia. But anyway, uh, yes. Um, it's good fun. No, you get a great deal of fun out of the yeah. bolt action, a great palate cleanser yeah. and all that. But every time I've gone into the shop and looked at them, I've gone, nah. They are tiny. They don't take much space up. They are relatively easy to put together and relatively easy to paint up. Uh, you can go to town with the uh, the details and, and all that kind of stuff. This is one my wife painted for a bit of fun. Um, she gave him a hefty German moustache, as you can possibly... It looks like Baldrick. Mm, no, she really enjoyed painting those up. You know, um, she didn't know what Tommy was until we, we did those, so... Yeah, it's good fun. It's lots of fun. I think that's the main thing. It's a giggle. It's a game. It's a giggle. Have a laugh. Uh, have a joke. And uh, de-stress, etc., etc. So, and both hobbies, scale modeling and uh, wargaming, does that. So you know, mm. more power to them. I would mm, say definitely. So I can't introduce you in a game of bolt action then. No, not not at all. Not even if you were surrounded by people playing bolt action and all you had to do all day was stand and do nothing well why that's what i do for a living <laughs> how about if i invited you to a, a wargaming evening and I, I shackled you and dragged you i'll be a normal saturday night <laughs> if i t- took you along to where a load of men were standing <laughs> that's again that saturday night <laughs> The bowl of keys. No, it's it's to be honest, it's a little bit like I'm gonna say this, I'm gonna regret saying it, but it's a little bit like going to um a monthly meet, you know, where you purely my imagination, so I apologize for all clubs that everybody goes to. In my mind, going to a model club and meeting up in a a, a back room or a little hall doesn't thrill me. That's a similar sort of feeling. Considering you go to the large, the largest collection of nerds and geeks, scale modeling-wise, at the scale model world, that's the biggest one, and you go to there all the time, I'm surprised that you can say that you would find it too geeky. I know. But no, well, it's not It's not so much geeky. I think it's um, it's like club nights. I remember having a conversation with someone. I forget who it was. I, I apologize. But I remember saying to someone about club nights, and they were saying, oh, yeah, I love my club nights, blah, 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 blah. Oh, Mark Ewing, maybe. It might be. Yeah, he shops up at Wonderland, doesn't he, Mark? I love, love Mark stuff. Love it. Uh, he's a member of 
Edinburgh and Leth- Oh, I'm not going to be able to pronounce it, am I? Anyway, get to the point. The point was, um, I remember saying, oh, you know, I can't imagine going to for an evening with a bunch of people to make models and putting basically what's in my room in a little box and hoping to God it gets, gets to where it got going in one piece and, and the same coming back just to make a model. Whereas I can do that online and I've got everything I need right in front of me. It's not the same. I know it's not. And we, we've just lost half our listeners because they all go to clubs. But No, they haven't. They've just turned the volume up. It's like, what? He said, what? I knew there was something I didn't like about you. And maybe, well, definitely partly ignorance. I can't lie because I've not been to one. <laughs> I've never been to one with this. Sounds terrible. <laughs> no, just uh, do you not. Well, I tell you, I tell you where this comes from. I remember speaking to a local chapter or near where I live. I remember talking to this guy and saying to him, oh, yeah, I'm very into, into models and blah, 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 blah. This was ages and ages ago. Oh, he said, you must come down to one of our, our nights. And I was like, oh, well, you know, it's, it's a little out of my way, but yeah, okay, maybe. Uh, and the guy went, oh, yeah, make sure you bring a model and some glue and we can all sit around and make, make your models. And I was just like, I know what will happen is I'll take a model with me and it'll get broken on the way or on the way back. What's, what's the point of that? Hmm. Do you take models to shows? And this is why I'm saying there's an element of of ignorance and typical JMC, go back on what you just said. And also, bear in mind, let's be totally honest about it, since I've had that conversation with that gentleman, I've found the joy of helping beneficiaries at um, where we, you, you build models and you, you go home with them. So things have changed in my world, yeah. but it's still not something in which, yeah, it, it, it's... Not something in which I want to try right now. I might try later. I, I, I don't know. You have a you have a wonderful world of things to discover. Then I go to a, a local club and I really enjoy going to the groups and seeing the guys and having a chat, find out what they're making. And yeah, things get broken, but so what? It's plastic. It's just <laughs> put glue it back together again. You know, you built it in the first place. That wouldn't stop me going because they get, they get broken. Mm. But it would it would stop me going if I didn't enjoy the company. And I think that's because of the people there, and it's nice to see the people. And especially these days, it's nice to see them face to face again. And yeah, online is fine, but it's not just it's not quite the same. It's not quite the same as having that kind of you know see someone in the real flesh. The interaction isn't the same. I, I totally agree with you there. I, I, I from my own experience, I agree hundred percent. But it, it's the modeling side. It's not. It's not the me. I love meeting up with people. I love talking to people. I can talk you to death, easy peasy, as they're aware. Uh, yes. Yeah, so, so that side of it doesn't bother me. And even I am surprisingly enough, I am a little shy, a little introvert in many ways, and I do struggle with um, yeah. initial interaction. Shall we say? Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's very common. Yep. I, I'm not unusual in any any shape or form to anybody else. You are a little bit unusual looking. That helps. I don't really mention that because I see that as a, an icebreaker. <laughs> yeah. Are you wearing that for a bet? Or as, as my <laughs> colleague at work told me yes, um, today, I should have one of those little squeaky toys. Why? Oh, it's, it's, oh, they've gone off track completely. Maybe maybe it's I just can't. Maybe I, I, I know that I'm a geek. I know that I should be wearing an anorak to do with model making, but I'm just not willing to accept it. I don't know. Don't worry, because we've got a, a really good railway exhibition to go to, and uh, you are in charge of timetabling. Oh, no, I thought I was doing the announcements. 
<laughs> you have to hold your nose. The train arriving at platform one. I don't, don't you don't do that. That's that's uh, that's not modern technology. We've got modern technology on the railway, you know. So you press a button and it says the train now arriving at platform one. No, I just got someone that lives locally that has a very Essex accent mm. and uh, it struggles with particular words like platform two. <laughs> they work in a train station. <laughs> I suppose we all get stuck in our ruts, don't we? A comfortable rut, isn't it? Yeah, I must expand myself. Well, you're going to love this then, because the model officer's mess, the forum that you run, we're going to have the 48-hour builds soon, aren't we? Mm-hmm. We are indeed, yeah. And uh, we have to choose what we're going to build for it. We, we do, yes. The rule is 148-scale things in 48 hours. That's correct. Now, that's not hard and fast rule. It doesn't have to be 48 scale. It'd just be nice if it was, right? That's correct. Yeah. So I was in Games Workshop the other day with my friend, and uh, I saw this on the shelf. Ooh. Yeah, it's called a Tyrant, and it's from Age of Sigma, which is uh, one of the Games Workshop games. I thought that would be really cool, and I could probably paint that up in 48 hours. So that is going to be my 48-hour build. And the link between 48 is it costs 48 quid. Ah, I see. Didn't really. cost 20 quid. I thought you were going to do 48 figures. No, no, no. Uh, no. So there is no link to 48, but it looks like a cool little figure, so I'm going to paint that. The monstrous veteran of the Moor tribes. Oof. My dude. It's, it's loads of detail in it, so I can't wait to, to paint him up. So that, that'll be my entry to the 48-hour build. I, funny enough, I've made my choice for the 48-hour build today as well. So it's an amusing, amusing hobbies kit, um, and I'm going to let you pronounce it. Oh, my God. That's from our first episode. That's the one, yeah. Isn't it? We did that. We talked about the vest. You used to say Vesaflug better than I could. Vesaflug. There you go, Vesaflug. Vesaflug. You said it with that London accent as well. It is a Vesaflug 1003 German Vortol aircraft from World War II. Oh, that's going to be cool. Uh, yeah, so I've made that choice today. And uh, how much how much photo etch are you going to try and stick on it? Well, do you know what? The funny part is I took it off from the shelf up there. And it was going to a different place. And I suddenly thought to myself, wait, now I remember when I opened the box, how disappointed the lack of stuff that was in it. Perfect. <laughs> well done. You can learn. Yeah. Kit choice. Kit choice, you see. Not some Edward, I've got 16 different packs of PE to stick on in 48 hours. What is your plan to do with it? Are you going to... Do it in like a eight foot diorama or something though. <laughs> what's, what's your what what what's the, what's the catch? Where's the where's all the uh, time going to be spent? Uh, well, there is no catch. Uh, yes, I'm. I, there will be a base involved at some point, I guess. Haven't really given that a great deal of thought, but there will be a base. Okay. But we've got obviously what I didn't want to do is I didn't want to spend uh, half of the forty eight hours building something and then going oh getting something else. So yeah, I've gone. I've gone with it. I don't get it wrong. I can get really crazy with that. <laughs> you know, the paint scheme options. Yes, yeah. could take me a month to do. Take a picture of it, or write a note that you're going to take a picture of it. Otherwise, we'll forget. It's it's already there for that particular purpose. Ah, right. Photograph. Brilliant. Well, I, I absolutely love it. We need to do a Musa update, don't we? We do. 
Moose Roo Cup, the Moose Roo Cup. Let's talk about the Moose Roo Cup. Boom! Woohoo! And that was that. The entry is now complete. We have gone completely and utterly off the wall. We? We? Uh, well, I said the Royal We, obviously. <laughs> We've gone off the wall a little bit. It's now where it is meant to be. We have a, a tip of the hat to the Mooseroo and to our Canadian colleagues and our Australian colleagues. And there is also a little tip to IPMS Hamilton in there as well. Uh, so are you going to put some pictures up, like full on? Yeah. This is what I've got. This is what I'm doing. This is what I finished. Yep. So this episode should go out on the 13th, I think it is, of February. It should do. Should do. That's not promising. The reason we're saying it should do is because this is actually the second time of recording because we were recording it last Monday and unfortunately um, something happened with my father and I had to shoot off. So we had to do it again. So Malcolm's going to be big and brave and <laughs> he's hoping to get everything edited down for uh, the 14th, which is the Monday, actually. It's actually Valentine's Day. Yeah. Oh, love to everybody. Oh. Indeed. Happy Valentine's Day, if you're listening to this on the 14th. If you're not, I hope it was fine. But if um, we didn't get it out on time, it was because we were busy doing stuff for Valentine's. Um, <laughs> what are you doing for Valentine's Day? Oh, well, I'm glad you asked. Absolutely nothing. I don't I don't celebrate Valentine's Day. Oh, what is she doing for Valentine's Day? I don't know. Uh, is the milkman coming around? I'm not sure. I don't, I don't celebrate Valentine's Day. I have a very simple theory that if I can't, tell my wife I love her every day of the year, then uh, I don't need a particular day. Oh. Same. See, Valentine's Day is my um, uh, boyfriend and girlfriend anniversary with my wife, so I kind of have to celebrate it. Plus, I like chocolate, so works for me. Well, yeah. Yeah, true. Moose Cup's done. Can't wait to see it. We are, uh, we've done, we've talked about the things we're going to talk about. We've made jokes. Yep. We've laughed. We've cried. We've said some inappropriate stuff. Perfect. Oh, one thing I did want to say, I want to say, say a quick shout out to uh, Gary. Gary told me a little story uh, the other day about how he got told off for listening to our podcast. Oh, really? Yes. Who told him off? His wife. Oh. He was listening to us in bed. <laughs> no, it's not what you think. He was listening to us in bed with his headphones on. I don't know which episode it was. His wife was asleep next to him. And he found one of your jokes so funny that he was vibrating in the bed and his wife woke up and told him off. <laughs> so we make him laugh while he's in bed next to his wife. <laughs> Which I, I'm not sure how to feel about that, but hey, if it makes someone happy, then it's all worth it, isn't it? Well, as you've been listening to us and you've woken up, can you say hi and good morning to, from both of us? <laughs> good morning. <laughs> <laughs> All three of us woken up together. I'm sh- I'm sure that will defuse any problems you may be having right now. So yeah. <laughs> Good morning, Mrs. Gary. I don't think they were having any uh, marital difficulties. I think it was just the <laughs> fact that she's woken up by his vibrations again. Just making conversation, causing vibrations in all the beds in the UK and anywhere else in the world. Israel. Malta? Yes. So one more shout out in which I want to make as well is actually a call out to some of our fans. And I would like to hear from as many club members from around the world. Especially like to hear from someone 
in the Malta area in a club and ask for anyone that's in the Indonesia airwaves that might be listening that may be in a club. Reach out to me, please. Oh, all right. Any particular reason? I would just like to have some communication with our, from those those particular areas. Um, maybe another area another time. All right. Yeah, if you're listening for Indonesia or if you're listening in Malta, um, make yourself known. Say hello uh, somehow, either on Facebook or on buymecoffee.com. So you just be aware if you do do a message and you get a reply, it's generally from me. But you, you can't tell because it just says from JMC. So I could say all sorts of barmy shit and then just blame it on you. Don't usually have to blame it on you, though. <laughs> just don't, just don't mention bowls and keys, and you'll be fine. No, you know it's funny when you were just talking about the the clubs and everything. I thought you were going to say, "I've got a big question for everyone out there who's in a club." You like the touch paper and say, "Answer me this: Clubs are shit, aren't they?" <laughs> just to cite a bit of a reaction. I'll save that for a post another time. Both scale modelling and miniature painting hobbies have many similarities. The tools, the paints, the techniques. Both can also learn from one another with the weathering and diorama techniques being shared all the time. Those skills developed on your grand dioramas can be applied to the smallest of size bases and not to mention the gaming board. You've been listening to Just Baking Conversation with James Skiffins and Malcolm Childs. Follow us on Facebook, where we post photos, updates and other nonsense. Let us know what you are just making and what your thoughts are on the conversation on this episode. We have to thank our supporters who we dearly appreciate. Please support us on buymeacoffee.com. Next time we'll be just making conversation about the art of realism. Goodbye. Goodbye. Take care. Oh, I'll just type James in. James in Maltese. Okay. Wanker. Wanker. <laughs> Wanker. 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 Wanker.